Hey, before we get into today's episode, I would love it if you'd hit pause, give us a little rating and a review. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you subscribe. Also, you can subscribe on Spotify. We're working on getting this on Google as well. Make sure you leave us a review. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you're looking for, questions you might have, interviews you want us to have. We've actually recorded the first several episodes, including some great conversations that you're not going to want to miss. So if you haven't already, subscribe and then rate and review this. That'll help us to get the word out. Of course, we also have our Instagram at the Numal podcast and make sure you follow that and give us some feedback there as well. I can't wait for what's ahead for this podcast. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the one and only the amazing, beautiful, my wife, Noelle Murray. Welcome to the next episode of the Numo Podcast. I am joined by my second favorite person in the world. My first favorite is Jesus. <laughs> but my second favorite, well, my favorite human that I interact with, my wife, Noelle. Hi. Hi. I was wondering who your first favorite was going to be. Yeah, it's it's the Lord. <laughs> and the squeaks you're hearing in the background are our newborn daughter, Lennon. Yes. Resisting going to sleep. So Noelle is putting up with uh, my idea for this podcast, even though even though she kind of challenged me to do it. Um, we're doing this podcast to talk about uh, it's this idea of numo, which is short for and the least clever but somehow most clever thing I could come up with: numo, new normal podcast. Because we're in a new normal. We are. I want to clarify what he means by putting up with. I think that this is an awesome idea for content for a podcast. I was protesting doing it tonight simply because we have a newborn and I am very tired and have been (laughs) minimally sleeping and I have to go to bed very soon. But I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. It's it's the days that we live in. You know, we, we saw this meme someone posted the other day. Uh, It's, it's an exaggeration of course, but it's the, the meme showed. um, It was like people without kids. Today in quarantine, I've remodeled my kitchen, reorganized my bookshelf. Relandscaped my backyard, something <laughs> like that. Watched four movies. And then it was like people with kids. These last five minutes to myself at 11 o'clock at night have been really nice. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> it's true. I mean, we if any of you know our kids, Hayden is emotionally nonstop. And Jude, our almost two-year-old, is physically nonstop. And you, you might say, oh, yeah, toddlers, of course, they never stop moving. But our son, he's actually insane. He's just freaking crazy. We caught him the other day. He was standing on our like little kitchen dining room table, literally batting our dangling lights. That's like a chandelier. Like he's he's too tall for his own good. And he's standing there hitting it, going, doing like he doesn't even talk yet. Like barely talks, but literally causes so much mischief. He's crazy. You know, uh, the truth is, is we are in a new um, normal where there's a new understanding of reality. My mom used to always say, um, as a kid, I, I don't remember when I first heard it, but she said, money makes you more of who you already are. Like money doesn't make you greedy. Money doesn't make you selfish. Money just re- reveals your selfishness or your greed. You ever heard that phrase? Money makes you more of who you are. And and the truth is, in, in the same principle, crisis or shifting or... Something like this, whether it's having uh, an international, like worldwide virus overtake the world <laughs> or giving birth to a newborn 
compounding that by the reality of a worldwide pandemic. This, these crises, they did not make anybody do, lose, change anything. And I'm not speaking to the people whose health um, was affected or anything like that, or someone who external situation, you know, circumstances, someone losing their job or something like that. In, in no way am I speaking to that. But it's the, the truth is, is we find ourselves in this place now where this crisis is putting pressure on us. It's literally pushing on us and it is pushing out what was already in us. It didn't produce anything in us. Like this crisis didn't make me more tired. This crisis didn't make me more anything. The truth is, is I am here now and what is coming out of me, maybe it's being pushed by this crisis, but it was already in me. Does that make sense to you? Totally. So the good part about this is there are things that were in us that needed to kind of be forced out and other things that we didn't know were in us that this actually revealed how strong, resilient, amazing, deep, gifted, anointed, whatever you want to call it, that we were. Noel, what were what are some of the things that you're feeling in this season now, not only as a new mom of three, but in this season as we navigate this time, you're on maternity leave, you're a ministry leader, you are a pastor, you're a worship leader, you're involved in church, you lead other people, and the most important of those being our three children. What are some of the things that are beginning to come out of you that maybe you always knew were in you, but this is really beginning to push it to the surface? I think for me, um, a huge thing that I've noticed, I think for myself that surprised me, is my own endurance in ways. If I'm being honest, like the last several months of my life when I was in my pregnancy, I was super busy and tired and really looking forward to having the baby. I kind of looked at it like I'll have our baby and go on maternity leave and just kind of rest, you know, like kind of really looking forward to this season of um, rest and just recharging and all this stuff um, coming out of a busy season. So it's like I kind of put all my wind and gas into everything I was doing in December, January, February, and then looked at it like March will come and I will be able to kind of coast into maternity leave. And then literally March 1st comes around and hashtag Corona 19 hits. And I remember feeling like I, I'm not ready for this. Like I don't have anything left in me to be able to have the strength that I need as a person to be able to kind of navigate this. Cause as a, you know, at the time as a pregnant mom, um, you know, very pregnant, like the concept of everything was so scary yeah. and unknown and, mm-hmm. you know, facing things like, you know, I had my baby shower and then we're getting this news from our doctor that no one can see our baby and that we have there, to be There were a couple of weeks where we weren't even sure if yeah. I'd be in the room with you. Literally. Yeah. My, I mean, my doctor, our midwife called us the week before I was due and told me that the hospital is encouraging people to who are pregnant to be induced because there's a major risk that spouses um, won't be able to come in the room with you when you're delivering. And so basically it's like I had this whole picture of what life was going to look like and it all kind of got thrown out the window. And then me having to kind of endure that as a mom, it's like I didn't feel like I had the 
anything left in me to be able to kind of rise to the occasion for my family, for myself, you know, for even just things down to the practical things of feeling like, okay, do we need to stock up on stuff? Like, what is this baby being born into? Ah, and um, It's wild. Yeah, totally. And I remember just feeling super like, I can't do this. But then you do and things work out. And, um, and for me, I think it was challenging for me to navigate having faith and um, trusting, like it's like trusting God, but also, I mean, really trusting God and having faith that everything's going to be okay. Mm. You know, that we're protected, that God had a plan for all of this, that when I, you know, when I got pregnant in the summertime that he knew come March, that this is what we'd be walking into. And I think it took a little bit for me to kind of wrap my brain around stuff because everything shifted so quickly and really dramatically affected us, specifically just because I was pregnant. And then as soon as I'm not pregnant, we have a newborn. And the circumstances that she's born into and the the picture of everything looks so different than it did with our other two kids. I mean, literally, Taylor's parents, your parents haven't even met her yet. None of our family. Yeah, the only person in our family that has met our baby is my mom because she stayed with us for three weeks. But no one else has been able to come into contact with her other than like six feet away. So that's, I mean, that's trippy as a parent to know that you have this baby that no one in your family even knows yet. Um, But that to say, to me, it's, for me, it's been a big faith journey. It's been a big journey in my trusting God, in my, you know, having faith not just in the things that I can control but in the things that I can't control because that that's been a big conversation in my mind is that I can't control a lot of things in this but I there are some things that I can but really I have to trust God with my life I have to trust God with my family's life I have to trust God with all of it and um I thought before that I was you know really good in my faith and really like yeah I'm just a faithful filled person but then I think this whole situation revealed in me some holes that were in that mm. and then but also I'm happy to say that it's revealed in me also strength that I didn't know that I had to be able to fill those holes and be able to lean on God yeah and give myself grace for the season that we're in and embrace it yeah I think that's been an interesting thing for me as your husband you know husbands carry a unique weight uh, when it comes to giving birth, you know, my hand was <laughs> squeezed really hard um, during labor. That was really tough for me. I'm teasing, but you know, it's an interesting thing because there's so you have everything to do with it, and yet your hands are out of you can't control any of it. But what I, I felt, and you and I have talked about this a lot, is really towards the end of 2019, as we approached the end of the year, there were certain things that I just really felt. I, and maybe God's been pressing it on me, but I'd been just so worn out or busy or tired or, you know, whatever it might be, distracted, you name it. But I felt coming around coming around near to the end of the year and as we approached the new year that God was preparing me, that God was asking me to do certain things, focus on, lean into certain things that... There wasn't a reason. It wasn't like, do this because in three months, a virus is coming. Get ready, bro. No, it wasn't anything like that. There were just certain things with my own day and my routine and my life and my habits, my focus, um, that I was historically not really leaning into to the extent that I needed to. And I was allowing those to be passive and be mediocre or subpar in accordance with who I knew I was and who I was called to be. And I remember 
as I was leaning into this, I remember one morning, actually, I'm doing my devotions, just sitting downstairs alone. Noelle's upstairs asleep. Kids are upstairs asleep. It's still dark out. And um, not trying to toot my own horn. It wasn't that early. It was just, <laughs> Three in you the know, morning. daylight savings hadn't come yet. <laughs> you know, I'm up at 4.15 every morning. Um, no. uh, I have a friend, Tony Matar. He's a youth pastor up like north, and he's up at like 4 a.m. every morning. Like, wow. dude, get over yourself. Just kidding. He's just a stud. I don't get it. So, but it's like, it was like 6.15, right? <laughs> Still early, which, great, it's early. So I'm up early, and I, rem- I remember just feeling like, God was saying, and I had no frame of reference, no context, but he's like, hey, I'm just preparing you. And, you know, that would easily be applied to the fact that, hey, I need to get this ready before, you know, we welcome a third candidate and our rhythm has changed. And that, of course, that's part of it. But I really felt like what God was doing is there were certain things in me that needed to be weeded out. And had I not leaned into that this last season, and I'm not saying by any stretch of the word that I have arrived or fixed this area, or I'm just, you know, I've reached a pinnacle by no means. But the truth is, is there were certain things that were being worked on in me and prepared in me so that when this virus came and when this child came, who's so amazing in the mix with our two insanely active um, toddlers, that I'd be ready. And I think what happens is there's two parts of it. There are certain things that we put off that this crisis, if you're like me, there are other things that you put off that you didn't lean into. And now you're in this place like, man, I wish I would have been more financially wise. I wish I would have been better with my time. I wish I would have planned more. I wish I would have gone to Costco three days earlier, whatever it was. We had a moment, <laughs> we were both at work and Noel was like, Taylor, we are going to Costco right now. It was the Holy Spirit, literally. <laughs> she said it for weeks. She's like, I really think it was the Holy Spirit because we stocked up. <laughs> and I will say we did not stock up on toilet paper. We did not. But we stocked up on everything else. And, and then days later, I mean, it's lines for miles out the door. It was crazy. But But the truth is, is like there were, God was preparing me. God was preparing us and we didn't even know it. And if you're like me though, there are certain things that you you weren't getting ready for, that you put off. And this crisis has now revealed the lack of lean in on that area. And I think what, what happens in these moments is we can then sulk in the fact that we didn't prepare or we can say, what is this now pointing us to? Like, like what if, what if I, you know, everything that was me before is I was lazy and I blamed everybody else. And I've been riding on the coattails of my season of success. I've done that. You and I have probably done that in seasons in our ministry. We've been youth pastors for 11 years almost. There have been times where we just rode the momentum of what was. And then we came up and realized, oh my gosh, we weren't doing what we should have been doing. There was one season where we lost five worship leaders in one summer, all to moving away. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. That was torture. It was awful. It was the worst. And 99% of it was good. Like they were going places, but then we realized we stopped. We rode the success of, we got five worship leaders. They're great. Nothing's ever going to change. They're going to live here forever and everything will be perfect. No, it wasn't actually the truth. Truth was, is we came out of some, I remember it was summer camp Mm -hmm. and literally we had all five of them at summer camp. The next Wednesday, we had none of them. And we had to really start thinking, had we gotten just rooted in what we thought would always be? And the truth is, is if we do that, we're going to find ourselves at the next crisis, not ready. But if we're, if we're smart, what we'll do is we'll take this crisis and we'll be like the ant, like in the, in the times 
where it's not harvest time right now, but it's planting. We're gathering, you know, the crops and getting ready. We're getting great gathering the seed and planting and doing the work, getting ready for the next one. What we're going to do is we're not only going to come into a season of peace and be ready and enjoy that and get ahead of where the average person, if we're being honest, is going to be. But the next season, we're going to be constantly ready. Why? Because we're always shifting gears. We're always preparing, not just assuming the worst, but just knowing that God is increasing our capacity. Because as God increases our capacity, we can actually handle on the same, uh, you know, in the same body, we are the same person. In, in the same, like we have the same amount of time we've always had. But in it, we have more capacity. Why? Because God stretched us. Right. So how's God's been, God, in the last few weeks, last couple of weeks, we have a couple week old. How's God been stretching you as we kind of wrap this up? How's God been stretching you as, as a mom, as a believer, follower of Jesus? What's one area that you've been challenged that as you look at it, you, you might even resist it and say, no, I don't want to be stretched in this. I think God has really been stretching me in... Um, my fear, um, in that I've He's been making you more fearful. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I realized that I, I think as a parent, I struggle with fear. I'd love to say that I'm one of those moms that's like, oh yeah, carefree, but not at all. I think I definitely <laughs> that's me. err on the side of better safe than sorry. Let them break their arm. Yeah. They're going to be okay. Taylor always says that you always say things like, oh, they'll learn their lesson. <laughs> if he pulls that autumn, you know, that entire entertainment center down on himself, then he'll never do that again. Yeah, that that freaks me out. And I think this whole situation has revealed in me a lot of fear that I had in that it's like I I don't feel afraid when I can control things, but when I'm in a situation such as a worldwide pandemic where there are many things that are out of my control. Like I can control our quarantine, but I'm I you know, can only get so deep in the rabbit's hole of what I'm able to sanitize and control. <laughs> and I can get pretty crazy. Did you sanitize that water before you drank it? Yeah. I mean, literally I can get, I can go deep, but that to say, it's been something that I've realized that I've struggled with and that I think God is challenging me in to trust him with things that are out of my control. Like I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago, like when I was in high school and in college and just in seasons of my life really where the future was so unknown, you know, like the season of high schooler thinking of what am I doing after high school, you know, and then the season of college student thinking, what am I doing after college? And even just as in early years in our youth ministry, we kind of were in a place where in our faith, we had to really trust God for the future and really be like, God, like I remember having so many moments where I would be like, God, I give you my life. I give you my future. Mm. I give it all to you in sincerely meaning that, you know, and in ways we haven't had to have that kind of faith for the last several years because it's like we've, you know, we're in our careers and we have a house and we have our kids. And so there's kind of this like in ways the the pillars in our life have been established. So there's not this mirage that we're looking to of what the future is. But then when this stuff came around, I realized I'm having to really trust God with my future. And that didn't, that didn't stop, you know, when I was in a season of my life where I'm figuring things mm. out and everything's unknown. Yeah. It's like, no, that continues now and it just takes a different form. Like I'm trusting God with the health of our family and provision and, and you know, things in our world when they do go back to normal, quote unquote, you know, what's that going to look like? Numo. <laughs> yeah. And trusting God that it's going to be awesome, you know? And so that was a kind of an epiphany for me of that I had been lacking in my faith hmm. simply because I 
and I mean, this sounds bad, but I hadn't needed it. Hmm. And, but I, I realized that I never stopped needing it. I just was less aware of it because I got comfortable in my life. And so that's something that I feel like God's really challenged me with and that that's an everyday thing for me. Um, yeah. Well, it's a good reminder. Uh, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after Jesus' resurrection were literally debating, did that happen? And they were in a place where they had said, you know, we thought he was the dude. And Jesus literally shows up on the road. It's a long journey, shows up on the road. He's like, yo, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, well, uh, they dropped their shoulders. They're bummed out because they had followed Jesus, believed that Jesus was who he said he was. It's believed that these were two of Jesus, you know, of the closest 72. So maybe not the 12. We don't know who the second was. One was Cleopas. And um, we don't know if, but they were close to Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. They were disciples. And they were said to be disciples. And they were people who, up until Jesus' death, believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And then he dies. And then on the third day, they even hear reports about it. And they're like, ah, it's too good to be true because they couldn't see it. And it's, it reminds me of this idea that for me, it's easy for me to say that God will never leave me or forsake me or that God will always be for me or that um, God will get me through anything until I'm in it. And then I question, but why me here now this? And in those moments, Jesus shows up. And I think that's the greatest thing about it is that Jesus, um, he didn't cause this pandemic, but as we're walking this journey of wondering what in the H is even going on, <laughs> like what in the world is happening right now? When will it end? Jesus shows up and he says, I'm with you. Let's talk about this. And what we see at the end of the story is that Jesus shows up or they walk to the end of the journey and Jesus continues to go on as if he's going to leave having not revealed himself, or so they haven't seen him yet. And they say, no, stay with us at our house. Come with us to where we're staying. It's too late. So he shows up and he, uh, he gives them bread. He, he basically serves them communion. And then they believe. And I think that the greatest thing about all of this is that God saw it. He shows up on our journey. And then he meets us where we're at. And before we even have the faith that we should have, because Jesus told him, he's like, why are you guys so slow to believe? But even before we even believe, even before we have a confidence that roots our souls, and even before we like have an unwavering hope, even in those moments, Jesus says, hey, I'm still with you and I'm going to eat with you. I want you to know that this isn't over. And that's what I love about God. And that's what I love about him in this crisis is that we're seeing this to be true and yet having to lean into it every single day. We have a newborn. This is vulnerable times. It's weird. It's scary. Our kids are showing the effects of not knowing why they can't leave the house, not knowing why they can't hug their grandparents. My daughter says, can I hug them when my parents will drive by to drop something off and wave from the car? And we say, no, she doesn't really understand it. But even in all of that, God is reminding us, hey, I'm still with you. I'm still for you. And if I could leave us with anything, let's allow God to continue not only to reveal what he's really put in us long before this ever hit, but also let's let him deposit some things in us for the next seasons that wouldn't have otherwise come had we not navigated these times right now. 
God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. Noel, any parting words? Have a great night. <laughs> or morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or day. It's night here. <laughs>